Welcome to the OFX Podcast. I'm Dave Claxton, and along with me, as always, is our tiny Tough Mudder Tootsie, Bethany McChesney. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't is Tootsie like offensive, really? Like, yeah. is it really? Because it was a good movie. That's a movie? You don't know that's a movie? She oh, man. I'm the worst, remember? <laughs> I've seen nothing. It was like <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, I think, was in it. Yeah. And, and they they dressed up as women. I can't remember why. <laughs> to get a job. There you go. And uh, uh, so it was comedic. I don't think it's offensive. But if it is offensive... So I'm not it. offended. You're not offended. <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> the episode is brought to you by Duonamic, creator of very cool door frimmy hanging pull-up thingies, which I've been using a lot more lately and um designated drinks.ca and tonight's drink of choice for me is classic na beer non-alcoholic beer athletic brew upside dawn 50 calories sound effects included and i like this one that's a good one it's not my favorite but i like it. yeah i have a stout so libra i i've actually like liked some of their beers too i find them they're stouts comparable to the athletic brewing stout also, but this one's made in PEI. Um, so again, small company, um, Canadian, local, all of theirs are except athletic brewing. So this is the Upstreet Stout by Libra. There you go. And the art department is having a free wave athletic brew. So Nice. And I agree about the Libra Stout. It's really good. Yeah, Libra Stout apparently is really good. But... Wasn't it Libra that made that pumpkin spice one that I really didn't like? Yeah. I was not a fan. <laughs> Bad move. Anyway, all right. Moving right along, because we have things to talk about, a lot of things. And um, I'm, I'm not going to say we have a guest later, just in case we have technical difficulties, because apparently that's a problem lately. Um, okay, so you had mountain running? Yeah, so this weekend was the World Mountain and Trail Running Championship. So they combined them this year. They did something a little bit different for the first time. It was in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, extremely humid. There was some temperature issues. So it was interesting. So they had four races over the weekend. They had the vertical kilometer on Friday. And then Saturday and, and uh Saturday was the long and short trail races. So the short trail race was 40K and the long was 80K. And then on Sunday was called the classic up and down. So you went up 500 meters vertical and then down 500 meter vertical. Um, so we had, we had a couple of Canadians go out there. We had a full men's team actually for the vertical Kilometer. So um, notably mentioning Sean Stevens Wales and Chris Swanson, who we see out on in our Spartan field. Um, so Chris Swanson was 37th. He had a good race. There were two other Canadians ahead of him, but again, we're kind of just mentioning our OCR athletes in this mix. And then Sean Stevens was 47. So he did have some stomach issues. Um, again, just with all the travel and being in Thailand, sometimes food is a little bit risky. So he had some stomach issues. And that team actually ended up finishing seventh overall as a team, which is very good for our Canadian boys. Um, and then in the 40K, just again, mentioning our OCR guys. So the 40K, John Albin um, got on the podium there. So he got a bronze medal in the 40K. So I have a couple of questions. And I'm like a neophyte when it comes to these things. 
Um, one, calling 40K, which is two kilometers short of a marathon, a short race is just stupid. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> yeah. Two, what's the difference between like trail running and mountain running? Because I always associate, I guess maybe that's because of the trail running I've seen. It's like, I know it doesn't always have to be up mountains and stuff like that, but it, it very often is. So how, what's, what, how, where's that defining line? So I, th I, they typically call the, the mountain running as far as my understanding when they do uh, like the vertical K and then the classic up and down. So I think that's what they call their mountain race. And then the trail were the 40 and the 80. Ah, uh, so screw the trail. I have zero interest. But that mountain running thing sounds really cool. I mean, yeah. I don't think I'd be any good at it. Like, because uh, I mean, some people are just so good at descending and so good at climbing. And, and yeah. really, I'm, I'm not the best at that. But if there was ever something in there to to in to pique my interest, is that that sounds like that five hundred up, five hundred down. That sounds like something I would definitely watch. Yeah. So and actually, so Sean Stevens he did race in that one as well, and so he was fifty fourth and um, our third Canadian male in that one also. So uh, yeah, so you can you could do both also in that weekend, mm -hmm. but they do. Like we have a Canadian mountain racing series, Dave. So you could actually do that one. No, 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 no. I mean, I could try it. I, I oh, you said it would be fun to watch. I yeah, and I would try it. I would oh. try it, especially maybe next year when my knees are a little a little healed up and I'm a little more rehabbed, so I can survive the downhill part of it. But um, yeah, yeah like five hundred up, five hundred down. I like the sound of that. That's that's quick. But I would definitely like to watch that too. Like yeah, maybe. Do they YouTube they it? Lie. Yeah. So there's actually, and you can still watch it on YouTube, um, the actual race. But man, what just how fast the the top of the top in these mountain races move like on steep inclines, it just it blows my mind. So yeah, take a look at it. If you look up uh the World Mountain Running Championships, um, and then this one it was in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So yeah, it's just it's incredible to see how fast they move. All right, if we find where the stream is, I will definitely forget to put a link in the show notes, so don't look for it. <laughs> but I'll try to remember to at least tag them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. It really does. Like, I mean, you know, trail racing is trail racing. It's great, and I know there's a huge audience for it, and it's very much a crossover, and that's great. It's just not me. But that that's like, I mean, that kind of sounds like that like that Red Bull 400, too. That's something I, yeah. I like to watch in person, too. Yeah. I tried to con Aaron Newell. I guess he's working at a place where they have the ski jump. I told him, like, what's your time, man? You got to go for it. Like, at least put one in. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I wish we had more stuff like that around here. I'd love to race that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. That would mm -hmm. be very, very cool. Um, Okay. Other things we needed to talk about uh, High Rocks this weekend or last weekend. Huge weekend for Team OFX. Yeah. That's us. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Heather White, Kelly Sullivan, um, Kelly Sullivan, not officially a member of Team OFX, OFX, but a sponsored athlete by our buddies at Obstacle Running Adventures. Um, her and Heather teamed up for the High Rocks women's doubles in Chicago and came first in like an epic battle where mm -hmm. they won by like 12 seconds or something like that. It was so close. Yeah. And they yeah. came into wall balls in second, right? She said they were almost a dead heat, but yeah, it was really close when they came in there. And mm -hmm. so uh, Heather has attributed the final kick on the wall balls to Kelly. She said Kelly really smashed it. And I think that the women, for the women's doubles, I believe it's only 75 wall balls, which I don't understand. 
I, I, I don't get that. Like I get lower the lower the weight of the ball. Cool. That's fine. But why lower the reps? That seems silly to me. Um anyway. Yeah, I think they just do exactly what the women's open heat does. Yeah, see. I like that. And I, I'm I'm all favor for lowering lowering the weights. Mm-hmm. but don't lower the reps unless you're going to like do my beloved high rocks half. Yeah. And drop half of everything. Right. Yeah. It really and, isn't necessary in this case, especially with doubles. No, it doesn't seem to make a sense to me that just dropping. And I think, I don't know if there's any other changes in length distance or, or length of anything. I think it's just, no, just the wall balls. Like what difference does that 25 wall balls make? That's just silly. Yeah, I don't so, know. I don't know. Anyway, kudos and thank you very much, Heather, for representing us so well. And thank you, Kelly, for for kicking ass with Heather. Um, and then also Dylan Scott coming first overall for the men pro division and breaking sixty minutes with I believe it was a fifty eight thirty eight. Yeah, in around there. So obviously a PR for him and putting him in a good line for qualifying for. Well, he's obviously qualified now for U.S. Championships. But likely, even if he does not podium at U.S. Championships, that's probably a good enough time to get him into Worlds. So that's awesome news. And that's what I said, 58-30. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll be awesome. And we look forward to seeing both of them at DECA. Not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah. So, awesome. Did you see Meg Jacoby's run? I watched highlights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she was okay so i watched the whole thing and by the way uh kudos to graham who was the rabbit on that not he doesn't do a lot of commentary but man he does some great video and he hangs with the best of them on the run that guy is awesome high rocks keep putting him out there doing the instagram thing until you can do an actual proper feed he does a great job i don't think i've seen a better rabbit out there um at least not for for high rocks so Watching her go through this, one, after like three stations, it looked like she was the only one in her wave. It was like they sent her on her own and then everybody else went in the next wave. And then she wasn't against nobody, like Vivian Tafuto was out there. Like it was good competition, but she was just on another level. Whether she is that good or was just, it was a good day, whatever the case may be, but she was so fast. And watching her while she was running, just weaving in and out of everybody, passing elite men, cruising along like she looked like she was running a casual, like tempo run out there, and just flying, and not 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 a slight girl, very strong girl, and then at the very end of it, to smash out a hundred unbroken wall balls. Yeah, I, you know, we've seen some impressive performances in High Rocks, especially by some of the women. Like, I, I mean, I think to, to Lauren Weeks, at whatever, seven months pregnant in the world, mm-hmm. something I'll probably never see anybody do again. But that was, I was just watching it, legit impressed. Just, yeah. yeah I couldn't believe and, it. And to do it solo, like, I think this is one of those times when I think, um like uh, it's great having training partners and people to push you but when you're someone who has to do a lot of your training on your own it's times like this and the same thing happened to dylan he ended up a bit in no man's land 
And he also does almost all of this training on his own. So when you learn to be able to push yourself to that other level in your training, um, without people around you and, you know, without eyes on you, then when you end up in situations like this, it's just like training. So you can still kind of, you can find that other gear because you're just so used to doing that in training anyway. So I don't know much about Meg, but um, if she is someone, I'm, I'm assuming she probably does some training, a fair amount of her training on her own to just be able to get to that level of push completely solo without someone right by you kind of pushing you. Yeah. And she's part of that noob sanity crew, which again, an awesome OCR and apparently hybrid racing crew, uh, like Jared newbie and, and so on. They do great stuff out there. And that's actually, that's a place that's on my bucket list to go visit is their setup. They have like a great gym and then across the street or something like that, they have like a, a little ravine. They do set up OCRs and I, definitely a place we need to stop by and see. We may need to take an OFX road trip to, to noob sanity yeah. sometime because <laughs> it would be awesome. Um, Dylan too, as well. When I talk about her in the zone, Dylan and Dylan, no different looking so relaxed when Graham went out there and first caught up to him, switched from the men to the women, women to the men. And he started videoing Dylan. Dylan's like, what was the score of the football game? And, and, you know, chit-chatting as they go. And again, Dylan looked fast, looked smooth and fast. The khakis were in full effect. <laughs> Everything was rolling. I actually had someone ask me um, if OFX was going to supply Dylan with some proper running shorts. And uh, we would gladly, but I don't think he'd ever wear them. Well, he does. The, he wears the khakis on, by choice. <laughs> yes. I, we, Dylan is not homeless. He can afford another pair of shorts, but he yeah. chooses to wear his grandpa khakis. <laughs> and I, for one, one, am a supporter of wearing ugly shorts in competition. That's the way you should do it. <laughs> um, it was great, though. Awesome. I, I, I really enjoyed watching it. And can't wait till we get out there in Chicago for U.S. championships. That's going to be a blast. Um, and again, thank you, Dylan, for representing us well, so well. And thank you, Heather. And look forward to seeing you both in Atlantic City and smashing some DECA shit. Mm -hmm. That wasn't meant like as a funny thing for DECA fit. It just came out as DECA shit. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. Okay. So last week we had Johnny Mar Maris. John Maris. Maris. Johnny Maris on but he wasn't on because it didn't work. And we talked a lot of Battle Bunker with Johnny. And in a way, I'm kind of happy that our interview didn't go in because there's a lot of things we learned after. Like one, what we learned was, what the fuck was up with that scoring system? <laughs> scoring system devised by NASA. <laughs> Labyrinth mazes. Yeah. It's very much Labyrinth mazes. I do not, so for those, you know, I'm, I'm assuming people know, I will say, will say, explain it. So Battle Bunker, there were three different events for the day, three different workouts or stations or competitions, whatever you want to call them. First one was like, I think like a two mile ruck, then combined with a 2000 meter row and then an 800 meter run, triple R, ruck, row, run. Problem being, and that sounds like a great workout. That's mm -hmm. it, it almost sounds like right out of a CrossFit Games, um, right out of a Go Ruck, obviously. I think it's cool. I think it's a great setup. Um, there were issues with some of the rowing machines not functioning properly. Um, whether that was weather, machines, I don't hold that against Battle Bunker. That, that shit just happens. I personally am a believer that when you're designing these events, you shouldn't use machines, but everybody seems to, so maybe I'm wrong. But 
there was malfunctioning. Shit happens. Can't blame them. Whatever. You know, move along. Move along. But the scoring system, and I still don't understand it, was like you got. It was about your time to the rower. And then after that, the 800 meter was worth more. And then it was added together. And then there was a multiplier. And then that gave you your score for that first event. So do you know, do you understand the why he wanted to do it that way? Because he's freaking nuts. No, I have no idea. I have, I have no idea. And that's the question that I haven't heard. And I, I'm a kid. I mean, Hunter's obviously not nuts. He's a smart guy. I think he made this. And I think that is probably what's happened here is he, he's a smart guy. And he had like this thing in his head where he's like, okay, I want, that. yeah. And I want to reward people who are really going to gun it at the end. I want to see him hauling ass at the end. I don't want anybody saying I'm at first, I'm going to coast across the line. He wanted him to push. I get what his motivation was, but for your first event, way too freaking complicated. Well, and if it's too complicated, the athletes don't understand it, then they might not really know that they what they're supposed to do to get a better score if it's that complicated. And here's the thing. Not only did they not understand it, they didn't even know. Oh, oh no. So, like, I mean, I heard today, uh, driving home, uh, listen to Matt talking with, very briefly, talking with Rylan and Chris Rogoski, who are over in Greece. And he was telling them where they stood in the standings because they still didn't know where they were stood in the standings. Oh, and my. this is over a week ago. <laughs> and so it's like, no, that's not how you do that. Yeah, yeah, maybe a bit too complex. And then the second event. So second event was um, FUBAR, they called it. And essentially was four sets of Five hundred pound sandbag squat, or hundred pound sandbag cleans, hundred pound sandbag squats, and then a hundred meter run. And you did that four times, and then afterwards you took the sandbag on a run around the outside of the course for as far as you could until the time limit. Again, not a bad event. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, problems with that one being so. I don't think the scoring was quite as crazy. Uh, it was still a little weird, and I don't profess to understand and this is the thing they're kind of sort of releasing what happened and whatnot i, I don't know mm -hmm. and i'll go into a little more about that later but so the the problem was what they did was <laughs> they had different spots on it was like picture a soccer field and they were lined up across the soccer field they could only go eight people wide with their lanes and then when you came back to your lane, you would run around and go around. You pass pylons, and every pylon you passed was like another another rep, another point. So the person who was at one side of the field had a big advantage of the person way at the at the back end of the field. And so what happened is the per, the the logic behind it was the person in first place got to an event who came first place in the event before got to be closer. That was their advantage, their kind of reward for winning the pre or doing better in the previous event. However, once you got to the eighth person, because they had to do multiple heats, number nine, all of a sudden was right in the same spot number one was. So. So you benefited by being ninth also. Exactly. But if you didn't know how to score in the first one. <laughs> then... 
Well, and so John was saying too, he didn't know how he did in the first one until they lined them up for the second one. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after the second one, so I mean that was kind of the big issue with the second one. Great event again. I love the workout. I'm 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 all for it. I don't understand why they didn't just simply put pylons and no matter where you started, they were just like say like five, ten meters apart and everyone counted and it would have been simple. I have no idea why they didn't do that, but there's got to be a reason, I assume. Because I mean, it's, uh, inst I I just when I watched it assumed that was what was happening, and apparently it wasn't. So if I thought of it there, somebody must have thought of it there. And, and anyway, <laughs> going into the final one, which is the obstacle course. Um, again, most people did not know where they stood until they got said, "Hey, you're going to go here," and then away you go on the obstacle course. And then at the end of the obstacle course, which was scored normally, time across, finished. No craziness. But at the end, like everybody's kind of standing around having no idea who won, no idea who was on the podium until they pick people and people are like, uh, how the hell did that happen? And no explanations offered. And then a week later, you're getting the scores. And I'm like, <sighs> there was a lot of good things about that event. Yeah. A lot of stuff they did right. Um, cash on the podium in hand. Great job. Um, the workouts designs, great, really good. There were issues, so I had some issues with the broadcast, but they were trying different things, and that's cool. I like that. Um, the guy, Austin Alexander, he seemed legitimately like he wanted to, you know, there's a lot of people trying to do a lot of the right stuff. Mm -hmm. But man, this, like I said, NASA-orientated scoring, just, I don't understand why when some when you finish a race it should take two hours to decide who won right and then yeah. why why you wouldn't want to tell the athletes beforehand how the scoring is done yeah i get some of this military you got to be ready for anything great but this isn't the military this is a competition and in competition you need transparency of the rules and the scoring system because quite frankly there are so many mistakes in scoring made that people need to be able to make sure it's done right. Mm -hmm. And when you don't tell them how it's being done, that's what it comes off as, as is that you are uncertain of what you've done. And when yeah. it's that complicated, mistakes can be made. So, yeah. And, and. you want to broadcast it, you want your viewers to understand, you, you have to let your viewers know what's going on. Yeah, your yeah, your broadcast You're team. Stupid. Your broadcast team needs to be able to tell people what's going on because it's it doesn't sound good when they're like, We don't know who's winning. Yeah. Well, and if you're going into the final event and you don't understand who's standing where, you don't really know, okay, I have to be this much faster than this person. Or mm -hmm. and when you're racing, especially with these things where you have heats and stuff, that's kind of how you do it. Yeah. And it, it's just it was baffling to me. So I couldn't watch it well that yeah anyway beyond that just i think some good people trying some good stuff but there was some big misses and there was a lot of upset athletes that i've talked to mm -hmm. despite the fact that other people are saying oh all the athletes loved it they loved the competition they loved the events and the workouts they mm -hmm. did not love what was done with scoring and structure and whatnot so they definitely need to pick that up and i hope that I hope that they will take that and I hope they do it again. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they will take it back to the drawing board and maybe simplify things a little bit 
and yeah. run with it and listen to some advice from some people who are, you know, in the know about some of this stuff. Yeah. You know? Not that, I mean, they had people that are in the know. The hunters mm-hmm. in the know. I, I totally agree. But Hunter is also very ambitious and likes to do things very grandiose when sometimes it needs to be reeled in and simplified, especially when you're starting something out. Yeah. And then you can, you know, slowly vamp up and make things a little more complicated mm-hmm. as you go. But that's yeah. uh that's my take on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hot take. I don't know if it's a hot take. I think it's just more of a lukewarm take maybe. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that being said, we are going to attempt to go to our guest. Um, last year's world's toughest mutter champion, record holder for distance, gold jacket wearing dude, Mark Battress. <laughs> Mark's just sitting there like, what did I walk into? Yeah, I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Oh no, I didn't see you. Come on. <laughs> How's it going? Good, buddy. No, no, we're good. That stays. <laughs> Mark Battress. How's it going? How's it going? Good, man. Thank you very much for coming. Um, coming on. Yeah. Um, where are we gonna start? Yeah, we'll start with uh, uh let's start with the real real with the you know the elephant in the room. So you made a post recently that you were not gonna be able to go to a world's toughest mutter. Maybe you want to just put it out there because a lot of people myself included are really disappointed because i mean the performance you had last year was so epic We're yeah hoping I, back. i'm disappointed um <laughs> it was it, it you know it kind of came on like suddenly but um yeah like you know my training has gone really really well i'm not injured right now so it's kind of weird like being sidelined because i'm like i feel fine i feel great um, I think the last workout I did was like uh, two mile repeats at like, like five minute pace, and I did like three of them. So I'm like, that's pretty good. That's pretty fit. So uh, just kind of disappointed that I'm not gonna be able to go. Um, I'm running faster right now than I was last year, so it's kind of like, oh man, it really hurts. But uh, pretty much what happened was on on um, I, like starting in October, uh, I started to have um, blood in my urine. So that essentially had me like really worried because it wasn't uh, very common for me to do that, um, especially on like the runs that I do. Cause I really don't overdo it. Like I know a lot of, I know a lot of like ultra runners like to like train really hard and I don't. So <laughs> I kind of do like maximum, like 18 mile long runs. And most like ultra runners will do like 20 mile runs, 22, 25 back to back long runs. And I, I really don't do that. So I was like, I kind of train the way I do for an ultra the entire year. So for all of a sudden, my body just to shut down, it was kind of weird. So I went to the doctors and they did a full CT scan and uh, uh, urinalysis. And they were like, wow, you have like nothing wrong with you that we're seeing. So we need to do a cystoscopy where they stick a camera right up there and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh you know it's funny i i, I yeah it, no, it's not funny it, it just hurts so, <laughs> so um so yeah they did a cystoscopy and after that i was like oh man like I, tell me something because like I've, I've been reading a lot about ultra runners getting what they call bladder slap 
So mm-hmm. it's like inside your bladder, you'll get, um, if you're dehydrated, it'll, it'll hit enough where it causes like rubbing and lacerations and that's what causes hematuria. So I was like, okay, maybe that's what it is. And they looked at my bladder and they're like, clean as a whistle. Like everything is beautiful. Everything looks great. No polyps, no tumors, no nothing. You're, you're clean. You're good. So the, the, the urologist um, was like, yeah, you're great. Like, get out of here. And I was like, all right. So I went and that's when I did the, that, 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 uh, that, um, that temple run. And then I was like, I had blood in my urine again. And I was like, dude, something's not right. Like something's still off. So then it went back and then they, this time they did a, um, a CT scan with contrast and they found a like five millimeter cyst on my left kidney, but it was nothing to worry about. Most people have like little small cysts on their kidneys and mm. stuff. They said it wouldn't be a problem until it, it was like a, like, a big like you know bigger than a centimeter then it would be something that they might want to like drain or something but anyways um so that was negative and so now i'm like all right i have still no information as to why i have this condition so then they sent me to a um uh a kidney specialist a nephrologist and uh they basically told me that um it's it's quite possible it's benign but at the same time i have the same chance of it being a rare kidney disease and if it is i'd have to change my lifestyle where essentially if it was the rare kidney disease then um like i wouldn't be able to do ultras ever again like it would be that 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 kind of scenario because i would be like i would bleed every single time i did it and it would get worse and worse and worse and this is what i've been researching and kind of understanding recently but um you know i i've been talking to a lot of people with this condition and kind of figuring out what they're able to do and how they're able to live and stuff so kind of uh preparing myself for the worst but um you know it's it's been uh interesting at, you know learning all about this and kind of learning about what my body's doing um i'm hoping it's still benign so i'm hoping it's still a benign condition and um but i, I mean, it's not definitive until i get a kidney biopsy and until then i won't know anything so kind of waiting on that i think i'm probably going to get one in um either late december or early january so that's that's my scenario right now. So that's why uh, I'm not doing world stuff is because I don't know whether or not I'm in that camp. And if I am, then um, basically it would cause a situation where it'd shut down my kidneys and be a bad situation. So um, that's they, my message is that's why you go all out all the time. You don't know when your last race is going to happen. You don't know when it's going to like it could be taken from you and i'm like i'm glad that i did every single race i've done i ran as hard as i could so i'm all good so <laughs> well worst case scenario if you aren't i shouldn't say worst case scenario if you can't run ultras anymore you can still do spartan 3ks for the uh, national series next year so i mean yeah i'll, I'll be okay doing that yeah <laughs> there you go. um yeah. well obviously we, you know we all hope that everything turns out well but that being the case Going into this year and like when you were preparing for this one, how did you feel about, and I guess we'll start with this one, World Obstacle naming this as their endurance championship? Did you think that would affect the race at all? Did you think that World's Toughest Mudder would be a good race for that? Um, I've, I've done, I've, I've actually done one of their events. Um, I, I did the, uh, the like United States championship event in 2017 mm-hmm. in florida 
Um, it was it was fun. I had a good time. I, I did the laser shooting pistol thing. Uh, I didn't like that because I <laughs> took forever to hit the final fifth one, and I was like, oh, man, I almost got the time penalty. Like, <laughs> I kept going, and I was like, dang, this is taking a long time. And then I finally hit the last one at, like, the 59th second of – 60 seconds of a lot of time and i'm like oh great like what was the like i if i would have waited another second i could have just ran off <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i think uh, i wasn't i wasn't too worried about it because i'm like they really don't do anything like there was they offer no obstacles they offer no insight they offer absolutely nothing so it's kind of like they just have a presence there so i was like oh i'm gonna get if I win or if something happens, I'll get another award attached to this event, but I, I don't think it's going to be anything serious. So I was like, ah, it, it, it is what it is because like, I, I, I guess I keep, I feel kind of like, like sour towards it because I won the national championship and then nothing happened after that. And then they had other events and other things um, after that, like, uh, like uh, uh, they had a, they had a, like a, like a, I guess like a, like a coach, like not a coaching seminar, but like a, um, like a seminar where they, they taught people more about obstacle course racing. Uh, I wasn't even invited. They didn't even call me about it. They like nothing. And I'm like, I'm the national champ and you're not even telling me about this. And they send me an email like, Oh, if you want to join and like, and like, it's going to cost so much thousands of dollars. I was like, dude, like, like you didn't even contact me to like help out. Like, this is ridiculous. Like I, I was just blown away. I'm like, I I don't know what the thought process is or what you guys are thinking but it, it's not with your brain so <laughs> I, I i just i didn't understand it so um you know i just kind of like you know i'm i'm moving on from that i'm just like i i kind of take it like they're doing their own thing i don't know how it's being run because it's not really transparent so I don't really like it. Like I, I, I've been a part of other associations before, like USATF and everything like that. And it's like there are very much like you know every time there's a voting or every time there's like okay we're gonna vote in members or we're gonna we're gonna reinstate members or we're gonna say this is our president. Do we really want to keep this president? It's like it is constant. It is like we we do that like every every quarter, and we're talking about about this stuff. So I'm like, there are professional organizations and then non-professional organizations. And I'm like, I could see the difference. So that's where I'm like, I don't, I don't believe in the transparency of this organization. I don't think that they're doing a good job at being transparent. And if they did a better job, like USATF, maybe the athletes would be more on board with this process. But that's why the athletes are kind of like, we don't know what's going on. You don't clue us into anything. Like, what do you want us to think? Like, for, for us, it, it kind of seems like a, it, it, to me, it seems like it's like a setup monopoly for their own uh, leadership and not necessarily uh, for the benefit of the athletes. And I've seen organizations like that in, in the past, and I'm like, it's not going to benefit the athletes. So I don't know why we should be involved unless there's something I'm missing and something I'm not seeing. But for the most part, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm seeing it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to argue with what you're saying. Um, and I think the biggest thing that you bring up there is what do they offer and 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 what is the point? And I think, and this is the problem I have with, with some of these organizations and I've had my dealings up here with Obstacle Sports Canada and they've not been near as negative. It's just not been very productive. And yeah. 
the problem is I think sometimes and on the low and I've said this many times on the lower levels you have people with very good intentions but not much power and on the yeah. higher levels you have people with a lot of power and maybe not so good intentions yeah and I'll then, agree with that yeah <laughs> and what happens is the lower people struggle to try to make things the way they think it should be but they get squashed because everybody up top has their own agenda and sometimes their agendas align with what's good with sport and sometimes it doesn't and yeah it was it seemed like a strange mix to me too yeah, that's um, kind of that's kind of where we're at and uh... yeah spartan spartan and world obstacle are definitely strange bedfellows and we'll see where it comes but um it is what it is i do i am one of the people who hope ocr does go to the olympics that would i think that would be good i i'm for that because in my mind that means more government funding for grassroots programs training facilities things like that coaching all that kind of deal so that's what i hope comes out of it but i don't yeah, know I, that the people are after that <laughs> i i think i think for americans it's a little different because like i i don't I like when, when it comes to like funding and stuff like that for like olympic athletes it's like it's pretty sparse it's like there's almost nothing it's like we have our college program and it's like if you don't get into a professional setting after college it's like there is zero help it's like there's nothing it's like it, it's, it's really shocking to me that other countries are like pretty pretty well um you know uh resourced and and they're, they're funded and, and it's like and we, you know you talk to other countries and you're just like oh my god like there's a facility that you guys can go to and and readily available that you guys can go into i i know i know a bunch of like post-collegiate runners that can't find a track that can't they can't even get to a track because they're not allowed on the track anymore at their colleges at their high schools and stuff like that and it's like it's just bizarre to me i'm like I, what what are we doing here in america <laughs> but um yeah it's just like to me I, I if if it was an olympic sport it really wouldn't make too big of a difference I think the biggest thing for the athletes um, is, um, you know, I, I think we just don't want to be taken advantage of, you know, it's like if we are able to write in some rules that actually help the athletes where we don't have limitations on sponsors, we don't have limitations on, on where we can race or when we can race or what we can race, but just complete freedom into racing and, and doing whatever we want to do and, and make it so it's like, we're not, contractually obligated to stay into one like racing team like one racing uh you know body it's like it, it's it, it would be great you know so you know it's tough for for the athletes because sometimes i think some people read the, the spartan contract and they think we can only race spartan and i'm like it, it really doesn't say that it says you can race whatever you want just don't just don't don't don't, don't be talking about it like <laughs> all the time and it's like, you know, for, uh, I think for the athletes, it's like, we just want to race wherever we want to race. You know, we just want the, the most opportunities we can. And if we had a governing body that was looking at the athletes, it should, we should have literature that says, you know, Hey, if you're, if you want to be part of this, the OCR thing, you know, and this governing body, you can't force athletes just to race one thing or race one race or do only one, like only certain races that you want them to do unless like it's a certain type of contract that you guys both agree upon or something like that. I don't know, but it's like, it, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of nuance that like a lot of people don't talk about. And it's like, like, we just get it in contracts and it's just thrown to us and we're like, Oh wow. 
interesting. Look at this, <laughs> brand new stuff. <laughs> so I, I, I hope that like, if if it's really for the athletes, then it benefits the athletes. You know, it's like this is a, so this is something that's going to benefit the athletes, and that's going to be something that's like very open, very uh, very uh, you know, just just like everyone agrees upon. That's just like com like I guess common sense, but in a document that people could say and like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> like, like let's let's help out the athletes and not stifle them because like there's some things in like even in like track and field where I'm like it seems puzzling to me that like they limit the, the, the size of the logos on the athletes, but they do that on purpose because, you know, Nike's the one that gives the most donations to IAAF and to USATF and they want it. So it's very difficult for a new sponsor to get into the sport. So it's like, Oh, I, I want to put a big logo on my athlete. It's like, you can't do that. You got to put this small, this little logo and, and, you know, it makes it really difficult for people to recognize who the athlete's sponsored by. And they do that on purpose because they want it to be very controlled. And I think that's stifling track and field because honestly, it should be like NASCAR where it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of logos all over the place and this athlete's making a good amount of money. And it's like, now, nah, now nah, that benefits the athlete. I don't know why one one logo, one one logo would benefit an athlete. That doesn't benefit an athlete at all. That's just stifling the athlete. So stuff like that. It's like that's stuff we need written in now and making sure that we get protected and that we are protected in the future and prevent companies from coming in, throwing a bunch of money at the sport and just kind of having their way with what the rules are. So that's stuff that we need to look at. And we're not even we're not even seeing ball. We're not even talking about that. And I'm like, how's it for the athletes? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> so we're right off the rails and I love it. Okay. So first off, <laughs> you went through a I whole bunch of, <laughs> you went through a whole, welcome to our world's toughest motor preview show. Okay. So you went through a whole bunch of stuff there, but actually I want to go back to Bethany for one sec. So how does that compare with the Canadian system after collegiate running? How do, how does it say like, how do our athletes get treated in comparison? Well, for the most part, if you're a Canadian athlete and you're wanting to run, um, if you're kind of Olympic stream, you're not staying in Canada. Your best bet is to get on a professional team in the U.S. Like we had Julianne Sully, who was on our podcast about a year ago. She signed with New Balance, so she's down training um, in the U.S. Um, the Stafford sisters, they were down in Oregon. Uh, one just moved back because of some conflicts, but for the most part, we don't have our Olympic stream athletes are not getting funding, which again, I was kind of going to say the same thing as you, Mark, like to think that if OCR goes in the Olympics, that our, our especially our Canadian government is going to all of a sudden start putting money into our athletes. We had Olympic athletes that weren't even funded by Athletics Canada on our track team who were some of the best track runners on the planet. So yeah. our Canadian government is not giving money to um, its athletes, maybe like you might think it is. Um, and track and field is a really good example of that. So post-collegiately, uh, for the most part, you're working a job and you're training around that job or you get signed um, to a pro team in the States. But see, so what I looked at it and I, what I thought, and this was my understanding, is you get things like, if say something gets the Olympics and becomes a popular sport, right? Per se, we look at something like hockey in Canada, whereas there's mass funding and mostly what I'm looking at is facilities. 
So right now, if you want to train OCR, for example, there is like no facilities in Canada. There's maybe two or three like privately owned facilities, but there's no government sponsored public facilities that are built with tax dollars. And that's what the kind of thing that I would hope the kind of recognition of getting the sport in the Olympics would bring. And maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm wrong on that, but that is kind of the goal to me. That is why you would head in that direction. Even if it's just something as simple, like we look, I look over in Europe and I see all these videos from, uh, you know, from Ulrike, from Leon, from whatever of these public park facilities with just proper obstacles set up. And I'm like, wow, we should have that. Like, I, I, you know, I'm as a tradesman, I would donate my time to build something like that if they provide the material. So that's kind of my hope. And, and again, maybe that's where I say, you know, people on the lower level, good intentions, proper, you know, right agendas, people up above without it. The other thing you touched on, and this is, I'm so with you, I've never understood this whatsoever. And it is something Spartan is predominantly guilty of too, with the whole, wear our shirts on the podium, uh, stifling the other outside sponsorship. And I, and like what you said about going to other races, don't talk about it a lot. Well, quite frankly, let's just say this. If I'm running Spartan and I've signed Mark Battress, you've signed the contract, you're a Spartan pro. I fucking want you to go to Savage. I want you to win. And I want you to wear my Spartan shirt up there going, Hey, look, our Spartan athletes just kicked ass at Savage. That's right. what I want. Cause that promotes, right? Yeah. Having everybody at a Spartan race in Spartan shirts does fuck all. Yeah. You know, there's a Spartan logo everywhere. There's one up top, there's one below, there's one on the podium, there's one on the shoes, everywhere. You just, but but it means more when you go to a different race and then put on your Spartan shirt. Then it's, then it's freaking cool. What yeah. I want to see is guys like you on a Spartan podium wearing a shirt that says Jeep, Subaru, you know, Yamaha, whatever. That's what I want to see because then those companies will be willing to throw in money because they're getting the promotion. They can compete against each other and have the best you know have their teams win have their athletes win um you know and i yeah like you say with track they limit the size and stuff but you do what you you by doing that you're cutting your own throat because yes nike's got this great sponsorship and they're putting in a tons of money but they're also holding you over a barrel now because they'll make it so that other sponsors won't step forward and then when Nike says, you know, we're not going to give you as much or we want this to happen or we pull our plug or whatever, when they they now control the industry through their business. And that's that's where it gets really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, Like I said, all world stuff is mine. All right. Yeah, I think we got that out. We're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to go now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, what do you guys want to talk about in terms of world stuff? It's like you want to talk about the men, the women, uh, the, yeah. the, the the facilities, everything. There's there's a lot to go over. Um, yeah. I Let's mean, start, with, I, start think... with the facility. Start with the, the thing because, I mean, this is obviously not Pensacola. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, Alabama. Um, uh, we we kind of raced there at, um, uh, for – the national series um in in um spartan in okay. 2019 it was the second spot and it was alabama and it's like probably like 20 minutes down the road so kind of familiar with the terrain kind of understanding what's going on but not the same spot it's uh, like i understand like what basically is gonna happen 
because like, I don't know, I don't think the terrain's going to change that much from a 20 minute drive. Um, but for the most part, I think it's going to be really like ruddy, very rooty, like lots of roots and ruts and stuff like that. There could be some single track area where like they have to go through certain like trails, uh, which could slow people down because I, I remember doing uh, Laughlin and it was pretty wide. There was, there was some areas where I can pass people very easily. Uh, I think this one's going to be really tough to get around people. And with the mud and the ruts and all that stuff, it's going to be, it's going to, I don't think it's going to be that quick. I think it's going to be pretty slow. It's, um, it's looking like you're, you're not going to be able to get that top end speed going. And because of that, it's going to slow everything down. Um, You know, for the most part though, we're going to see a lot of information off the first lap. Mm -hmm. Um, If if we see a, a sub 35 from the first lap, we can anticipate a fast course, but if we see anything above like a 38 to 40, it's going to be a long day. So um, kind of going off of that, I think if the first lap, if the, if the, if the pack is coming by between 35 to 38, we can most likely see a pack breaking a hundred. If it's 35, if it's 38 and beyond, uh, I, you know, we might get one person to break a hundred. So it's kind of one of those kind of scenarios. Yeah. And, and, the, and the weather looks good too. Uh, oh, the weather looks a little shaky actually. The weather looks shaky. <laughs> cold. Sorry about that. It's cold. Yeah. It starts at 68, 65 during the high and then it goes drops down all the way to 35, which is going to suck. So <laughs> everyone's going to be in wetsuits. Everyone's going to be cold as shit. It's not going to be fun. There's 10 mile per hour winds coming. So it's going to be cold, windy. It's there's a lot of problems going on with the weather. Um, to me, uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I think uh, uh, equipment um, experience is going to play heavily on this one more so than than Laughlin. Laughlin was like, I, I ran in a shirt the whole time, and then actually I was shirtless for most of the race. And then I threw on a shirt, and then I threw on a jacket, and I was fine after that. So. Um, this one's going to be a lot more complicated. Yeah, I don't think there's any way you get near as many. What like you said, there was what 600 mile guys last year. I don't think there's any way you get near as many this year. I think that cold will bog everybody down, and I think the train's going to be much slower than than Laughlin. When but when you went into Laughlin, going into there, did you already know in your head that this is going to be a fast course? Because no, because you know, from no. my experience, I did it in 2017 in in, in Vegas. And then when they went to Atlanta, I had already known that it was going to be no way that it was going to be as fast because you got the mud and stuff. And like Vegas has always been, you know, it's pretty much desert. So it's dry. There's no mud. I mean, even when they tried to make mud, it wasn't mud. It was just wet rocks. But I don't. So that because of that, I say there's no way I don't. You have some amazing talent going there this year. Yeah. Some great, maybe the deepest field yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at, there's a couple guys I'm looking at right now that look pretty strong. So I guess we can segue that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Jump into that. Going into the guys' field. Um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, the guys I, I I really am looking forward to, like, good performances out of. Um, you're looking at Mark Odette. He was the, you know, Spartan champion last year for, for Ultra. Um, he's done many many ultras before he kind of knows his pacing now he knows what he's doing he knows his fuel he knows his he knows this is not his first rodeo he knows what's going on and i think he's going to be very very hard to beat 
Tyler Veerman got second place at uh, Ultra last year, and he is having one heck of a season right now. So he is coming in hot. I would be looking at those two guys as my as 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 probably the guys I'm worried about the most. Um, of course, Trevor Psychos. He is a, a possessed man when he becomes one, mm -hmm. and he knows what's coming up. He knows that, um, you know, last year when I, we were done with that race, he was like, I know what I need to train for, and it's going after you. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, man. <laughs> he's uh, very intense. He's very, very strong. I, I, I like looking at him at towards the end of the race, he looks stronger at the end of the race than he did in the middle of the race. He is very, very uh, experienced in what he's doing, his fueling, his understanding of the course and strategy when it comes to the bands and stuff like that. He's very well versed. He knew exactly when to use things, when to use them, how to use them, and what obstacles to use them at. Very smart guy. Trevor Psychos, he's going to be great. Uh, also on top of that, you got, um, you got Chris Mendoza coming back coming back from injuries, coming back, and he's been doing really well in the ultras in Spartan. He's looking really good in his runs. He's doing great in his, like, uh, his uh, ultra ultra running in his trail racing, and he's going to be good because he's looking really, really fit. Uh, you got DJ Fox. He's looking really good. He's looking great in his workouts. Uh, I remember last year looking at his workouts. I was like, oh, okay, he, he can run. Nothing crazy. This year... He's actually put in a lot of work. He's actually put in the work and he's looking fast now. So now his speed is actually coming around and that can help. That's going to help him out in, in attaining a hundred miles on this really tough course. Um, and who else we got? Uh, Scott Brown. Scott Brown is from uh, UK and he's actually done some really extreme ultras and he's uh, been formidable. And um, I think he's going to be pretty, pretty tough to beat. Uh, we also got Austin Azar. He's coming back. He's looking good this year. I saw him at um, North American Championships, and we finished really close together. He looks strong on the downhills. He looks strong in the uphills. He looked really tough, and he's, look, he's looking fit, uh, probably the fittest he's been in a long time. So I'd be worried about Austin Azar on that one. Um, and then we got um, possibles, like, on the radar. I, I – I, I, I've heard of this guy, Anthony uh, Kinkle, and I'm not sure if Joshua's, Joshua Reed is going to race. I believe he um, is. Yeah, and now he wasn't on the contender list, and I'm like, Joshua Reed's got wheels, man. He can run. So I, it's just a matter of how he's going to feel at 70, 80, and if his body holds up on obstacles. But for the most part, I've seen nothing but good things. So I'm expecting him to be up at the front with – Mark Adet and Tyler Veerman uh, at the start and, and really challenging that, that front pack, uh, that pace. So yeah, the men's team, the men's field is looking great. I, I think it's, it's going to be awesome and I can't that, wait to see it. That is a hundred percent the deepest men's field ever for a WTM far and yeah. away. And that's, that's no, you no Atkins. If you and Atkins were both there too, I mean, that would just be unbelievable, but questions i have out of that yeah, like you say will joshua shoulder hold up hold up and was that just a one-off thing from from that one spartan race is it better now because that can be huge and we do know that tough mudder has a lot more hanging obstacles and puts a lot more pressure on those shoulders than than say an average spartan race um so can he hold up for that right austin azar 
if I remember right, I think it was 2016, which was a very difficult course. He nearly night put in a hundred miles on that one. Or did he quite crack it? I'm not he sure. If he did. I think he did. I think he got the yeah. jacket. I think he has an orange jacket. Um, yeah, he no, was he... one of the guys that did it and he had, he had a good, he had a good performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those guys are good. And then, yeah, I mean, Godet and Veerman, no, they, those are the two, the, the dynamic duo that did the Spartan, Spartan 24 hours together until the very end. So you know that they can haul and they'll yeah. have a nice little competition at the end. And I don't think you could have said it better. If you were to put right now a list of who is hot in OCR, Veerman would have to be on the top. Between Veerman and Shadag, those are the yep. names that we've heard all year that, that have just been coming out of nowhere. And he is right. I mean, he proved it in Vermont, just how fit and how fast he is. So, man, that's 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 a good race. I, yeah, he did great. He did great in Vermont. And, and, you know, that just shows how well he's at, he, like, how well he can do obstacles. I mean, he's he, to win, uh, you know, OCRWC, that's a different animal as opposed to, uh, you know, just your average Spartan race. So he's definitely a, a, a he's not going to be, um, he's not going to be uh, like confused or stifled by the obstacles. He's going to roll through them really quickly. He's going to be, he's going to be good. Um, and, and then, you know, he comes back and he does uh, Blue Mountain and he does great there. So I think for him, you know, he's looking really, really strong at the end of the season. He's looking good. Um, we, and, and, and he didn't do, he didn't do grease. He just rested up a little bit, trying to get ready. So I think he's prepared and he's ready to go. The miles he did for, uh, in prepping for, um, uh, Spartan ultra, I think he's ready to go. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be good. It's, it's exciting just to know that nine guys potentially, um, can get, a hundred miles is going to be awesome. It also depends too on the um the uh like what the obstacle failures are going to be. Um, penalties, the penalty situation. Penalty. Yeah, the penalty situation is going to be big. Um, you know, if they're if they're having having them do loops or something that is taxing physically, that's gonna that's gonna weigh on them uh, heavily, especially if it's thirty burpees. No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no way. No, I don't. I don't. You saw this, Beth, but apparently. Uh, earlier today, I saw a bit of it, and Will Hicks had Joe DeSena and Ryan Atkins on live, and uh, uh, Joe says he wants to put 30 burpees as penalty into Tough Mudder for World's Toughest Mudder now. Well, oh. I did see that clip get posted around <laughs> socials. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. That's what people don't understand. The reason why World's Toughest is such a great event is because they they don't have to do that stupid passport like hole punching garbage that Spartan has. It's like every time I see that, I'm like, what are we doing, guys? Like this doesn't even make sense. You're making sure that people get their hole punches so that they can come in and do all their burpees all at once because we want to make the penalties burpees. And I'm like, that just shows how bad of a penalty burpees are. It's just it just shows that it's not a good penalty because now people have to stay in one spot and they have the referee and they have to do all this stuff and it's like but if you tell them go run a lap it's like oh i have to run that lap i come into this section and i exit out that way and the referee just sees where i'm going perfect done end of story i have to crawl there i have to go underneath the bob wire for that long turn come back perfect you went in you came out we're done it's like 
burpees are by far the worst like penalty on the planet and to do it in a 24-hour setting with so many obstacles is like it's 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 stupidity beyond all stupidity. It's dumb. It's like you're shooting yourself in the foot. And that's why a lot of guys struggle to get a hundred miles in Spartan, not only the terrain and the, the, and, 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 and the, and the, um, the, the sheer difficulty of where they put it, but also the system of how they have their penalties is just ridiculous. And it causes them to have so much like confusion and just like, like you have to check in and you have to look at your thing. And it's like, Oh, it's just a mess. It's a mess to get your whole punch and have to wait for someone to do it. And it's like, oh, I got to wait for someone. To, oh, who, where's the whole punch out? Who has it? It's like, oh, great. It's like, I've talked to everybody who's done ultra at Spartan and not their favorite event when it comes to getting going, like doing it fast and actually trying to get miles done. It's like, it's very difficult. And and to bring that over here, it's like, nope, just, it, you know, it's a bad idea. Joe knows it's a bad idea. Everyone who's who's operated that event knows it's a bad idea. Why do it here? Just don't don't get it started, and then you'll never have problems. Like, <laughs> so to go slightly off the rails again for a minute, but in a similar direction, what the fuck was with that interview anyway? <laughs> like, Joe just came on there and all of a sudden starts <laughs> starts starts spouting off like, oh, but thirty burpees in tough mutter. Do you think tough mutter? I think tough mutter people want. It's about being hard. They nobody wants to be hard anymore. And I'm like. What the is he talking about? That's not nothing to do with it. It's just daft. It's just a bad system. Yeah, it's, it's a just bad, a bad idea. You know bad what? Idea. Okay, here's my thing, Joe. Like, you want like, it to be hard? Let's make it. It's like going points. back to like horse-drawn carriages. Like, oh, well, we got to be tough. We got to go back to horse-drawn carriages. No, dude, we got cars now. Like, why the hell would we do that? This is the stupidest thing on the planet. The thing fires up. I don't have to feed it. I just you know, put, <laughs> put fuel in it, and I'm gone. It's like, what the heck's wrong with you? Why the heck would I go back to that? It's a bad system. It doesn't work. It's we've already proven a better system exists. Just go with that. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, conversation's over. Like, I don't understand this. And that's what I say. You want it to be hard? Make it 30 pull-ups, then, Joe. Okay, that's hard. Let's see who does 30 pull-ups. Yeah. In every obstacle. Like it's just it's not about being hard. It's about making a good race. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And in making a good race, burpees don't do it. When you have to penalize the penalty, that's just illogical. So I, yeah. I just, I, it's, it's is, yeah, it, it's too much, too much governance. It's too many people. It's too, it's too big. It has to be so big. You have to have this, you have to have, there's so many things that go into place just to have burpees. Yeah. Well, just get rid of burpees. Then you get rid of all the, I, I would say bureaucracy <laughs> and governance and you get all over it, get rid of all that and just have people do penalty loops and have them do their thing. Fantastic. That's the easiest way to do things. I, I kind of like um, world's toughest creativity with their obstacles, their penalties. Most of the pros don't. We don't. Yeah. We don't fail anything. I, I had no failures the whole twenty-four hours. So it's like there's nothing really to fail. Um, you know, if you're a pro. I mean, nowadays. I mean, I, I remember back in the day there was a lot of failures with other people, but I think the training is you know a lot more intense now. We 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 kind of understand how to train our bodies to last that long. So for us, I'm like, you know, the pros, it's like, it's a non-factor, but you know, if you really want to do that kind of stuff, I mean, the only thing there would be penalties on would be like a spear throw-esque style thing where it's like, oh, sometimes the obstacle fails. Sometimes 
mm-hmm. you know, things happen. It's like, it, it's, you know, it's not necessarily the athlete that, that fails it, but sometimes the obstacle fails. So, so stuff like that, you can't control. So, you know, that kind of stuff, it's like, oh man, that, that, that sucks. <laughs> so as long as we don't have stuff like that, the pros usually don't fail stuff. And, um, you know, then that means, you know, we're just focused on getting more miles and kind of getting through the system as quickly as possible. But having us having to stop at every obstacle and punch a card and do all this stuff, it just get rid of it. It's just terrible. The way World Toughest does it, it feels like OCR. Like, I think the way Spartan does it with their ultra event, it doesn't feel like OCR anymore because I got to stop every time I'm done with an obstacle and get, get, get my little check mark. And ugh, it's terrible, terrible. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm going to agree with you a lot of that, in it, but there's one thing that I will differ a bit on, and that is that they still do need a proper penalty system for Tough Hunter because, and I think back to 2017 WTM Rhea Coble. So in that in that race, penalties were penalty loops, strict, simple penalty loops. But Rhea failed almost everything. Like she had like an extra 10 miles oh, yeah. of penalty loops. So for that situation, I think they do need, still need to be there. And because I'm just thinking in my head, okay, if in that race I had seen Raya doing dizzy bats 75 times, I was <laughs> in my mind. So I, I do, I'm, I'm with you. Penalty loops work great for WTM. That's what should be. Make it simple. And then make them real for the pros, for the elites, for the open, put in the craziness, put in the gamification, put in the fun stuff, carabiners, dizzy bats, flipping cards, whatever you want to do. Yeah. I don't care. But the open, put them in. They love it. And it's fantastic. But for the... For the competition, competitive wave have proper penalty loops uh, that are appropriate for the obstacles. And, you know, I think in this situation, we may see more failures due to cold, due to slipperiness and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough one. This yeah. 24 hours is going to be real tough. It's going to be uh, a test of, uh, you know, who's who understands their equipment and who understands how to be wet and cold and be able to hold on that grip. Um I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm actually not that great at that. Um, I'm probably, you know, I made some bad choices before with my gear, gear selection, um, like 2019 Spartan worlds. I, I made some, I really should have put on like tights, like tight shorts. And, you know, that would have kept my legs a little bit warmer, stuff like that. It's like, there's little, little nuances where it's like, Oh, that would have helped. <laughs> but um, just trying to, if you have experience in these conditions, it helps. So people on the, like, well, it's, it, we're all coming off the summer. That's the thing. We, we, no one's had like a lot of rain lately. So it's like, we're all coming off summer weather. It's like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough uh, to see who's able to adapt uh, to, to these conditions. So we went on about the men's field, the men's field being really deep. The women's field, maybe not quite as deep, but my question is, and correct me because I believe this is the case, does this come down to uh, the K versus K show, Katie versus Chris? I think that there are some people that I'm excited to see. I think Katie Knight, uh, Chris Roglowski, uh, Callie, uh, I think she's got it. She, she's been doing really good in her events and she's doing really well. Um, she looks super uh, strong got, at Battle Bunker. Yeah, we got uh, uh, Hannah. Uh, uh, Carta, she's yep. doing good. 
She's uh, she's looking good, and uh, we got Morgan McKay. She's coming back. Uh, so I didn't know Morgan was going for this one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh man, she's got that mom strength. I, I see mom strength coming in. <laughs> Been rocking some pretty serious abs lately. Yeah. So I think I think this field is going to be good. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen Morgan race lately, so I don't know exactly where she's at, but. She's usually one of those ones that kind of like floats in and out, but then when it's toughest time, she really excels, and and that's where she puts in a lot of her her effort on. So, um, be curious to see how she does, and I think she's not one to sleep on. I, I I'm I'm excited to see her perform. Um, you know, Chris Rogowski is is very very good at ultras. I mean, she's put in hundred miles, like four of them this year. Um, I think. I think that's the only concern I have is the fact that like, it's like, I, I don't like doing that many big efforts in the year. Um, I'm pretty sure she wasn't putting in like a hundred percent effort on those. I think she was just getting them done and just kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm just trotting around here and just kind of fishing. So I think for her, um, this being more of like a serious race effort, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how she does, and see how she how she performs. Um, obviously, we know she's going to finish, uh, <laughs> so that's that's going to be for sure. But um, I want to see how she cooks that pace and see if she's going to go after Rhea's record. That'd be that'd be fun to see. So again, um, I don't think this is the course they get it on. I don't. Yeah, think this that, that's the thing. It it's hard. Yeah, I think course. I think there's a lot of women there that are capable of doing it, but I don't think on this course. Yeah, the course, the course selection, you know, it's going to be tough it, it, because this is the scenario we have. You know, we I, I hope that the athletes look at this as, you know, you got to look at that first lap. And then, like I said, the first lap is it, it tells you everything you need to know about the day and what's going to happen and how you should react. And, and, you know, once those obstacles start opening up, it's like you're only going to get slower. It's like there is no way you're going to get any faster than your first lap. Your first lap is going to be indicative of everything that goes on. So, like, my brother kind of led me on to this. And, you know, he's he's a, you know, he's smart. So <laughs> I'll just I'll just leave it at that. He's really, really smart. And he just told me, he's like, your first lap is going to be really important because we're going to get a lot of data into what potential pace that you can actually attain throughout the entire race. And then once all the obstacles open up, that pace is going to show us what you're going to have for the rest of the night and the rest of the day. So we really got to hone in on what those time markers are. So it's the first lap and then the first lap with all obstacles. Those are the two most important laps that you're going to have all your most information on. So when I did my first lap, it was like I came by, I think at like, I don't know, I think it was like 30, 36 or 37. And I was like, pretty good. And he was like, that's great because now you have a huge amount of potential to break, you know, you know, one, 100. That's not a problem. The 100 is not gonna be a problem. We got to see what we do beyond that. Now, once the obstacles start opening up and then when the obstacles opened up, he was like, okay, now you're hitting like one hour, uh, one hour five in that zone. He's like, as long as you keep this, you you could get 125. 120 and i was like whoa that's cool so that kind of <laughs> kept me motivated and i kept going and i kept pushing that pace and what killed me was my transitions and my pit stops i was taking too much time and we didn't even realize that until 
like way later in in the night and it was like it was already like you know um like close to like three o'clock four o'clock in the morning and i started realizing oh i'm really spending too much time in the pits and then that's what's causing me to lose all this ground and then we started realizing hey we got to pick those up and then i started catching back up and, and improve so, so just as a comment as your smart brother super strategist possibly the taco party might not have been a good idea probably not but the thing is, this is another part though. You can't take this race too seriously. And that's that's the mistake a lot of people make. I saw like when I was watching the the recap of other people racing, I was like, wow, I can't believe they're taking this so serious. I can't believe they're they're like so serious about like their I, I guess the way they're handling this race. And I was just having fun. So me having fun meant that I never had a moment of pain cave so when people are like oh like didn't you get to that one moment where you're like i gotta keep going i gotta keep going and i was like no that never happened for me like it never happened like i just felt like i'm feeling great i'm having a good time Wee! <laughs> and that mentality kept me in it at a higher level than most people that were really serious because when they were serious and the 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 shit started to hit the fan they started thinking, oh, my God, this could be it. This could be it. Where me, I was like, oh, ah, just slow down. It's no big deal. I'll just relax. And then it's like, oh, I'm feeling good again. Whee! And I took off again. <laughs> and it's like, if you have that mentality, you have that that kind of understanding, it's like, oh, this, you're never hurting. You're never, like, in a place of, like, deep, like, oh, my God, like, I'm, I'm like, fighting my demons it's like no nah, dude if, you, if, if the demons are in a taco party everything's all good and <laughs> you're all you're fine <laughs> so kept it kept it fun and if you keep it fun you're gonna have a fun time the whole time but if you tell yourself oh my god i gotta get these miles i gotta go i gotta get uh, it's like now you're stressing yourself out and then you're already engaging in a bunch of stress so you're just doubling down on stress and now you're going to go into the pan cave and you're going to go into that deep dark place and it's like you got to learn how to stay out of there and that's how you do it. You got to keep it lively, keep it fun, keep it, keep it exciting. So, yeah. All right. Well, I could go on with this all night, but it, it does get late for us. But, um, so I'm going to go, I just want to go straight out. Picks for you got, who are your top three men and women? Ooh, top three men and women. Oh man. Yeah, I do like, I do like, uh, I do like, yeah, the top three, I'm going to say Chris, Katie, and Callie for the women. And for the men, I'm going to say, man, I want to say Trevor Sykos, Mark Adet, and Tyler Veerman. And, you know, I think, man, there's a lot of good people there, too. Is it, the men's is going to be tough. The men's is going to be tough. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. This, it, it's hard to pick a top three out of the men's. And, and, and like I said, in ultras, anything can happen. Anything. I mean, like the there's a bunch of roots on the thing. Anybody twists an ankle, it's done. I twisted my ankle in a Florida race. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> anything can happen in OCR. It's like, it's, it's crazy. So... You know, it's 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 going to take a lot of focus for these guys to stay engaged for 24 hours 
But uh, yeah, those are my three guys. And it's mostly based on, you know, their previous experience, their previous performances. Uh, Trevor Psychos kind of knows the way, the lay of the land. Yeah, he's been in and out of wetsuits kind of stuff. Um, Mark Adet, Tyler Veerman, haven't done that as much because Spartan really doesn't put you in water all too often, but they're still dealing with cold weather when they were doing that ultra. So um, I think they're, they're, they're prepared to go, to go for it. So yeah, that'll be my top three, I guess. What about you guys? What do you, who do you guys got? Beth, go for it. Oh, I feel like I'm making extremely uninformed decisions here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do in OCR, right? Just, yeah. just this is how I feel. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Callie's going to have a good one. Uh, Hannah looked so strong at OCRWC. So I think I'm going to go with Callie, Hannah, and Katie. I think Chris has been racing so much. I just She's coming off of Greece. And, but again, I doubt Chris and then <laughs> because of how much she races and then she still pulls it out. So I don't know. But that's my top three there. Um, the guys is even harder. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so when you're, you're talking about the weather though i think this favors someone like austin though he's such a winter a winter man <laughs> like is swimming in frozen rivers and stuff so i think that could get him in there too if some of these guys struggle with the cold so and i like putting a canadian in the podium positions if i can so um, yeah, I think it, Trevor, I'm going to say Austin just to put a Canadian there and then um, we'll let Tyler get on there with his golden season. All right. So I as well am waving the flag and I'm going to put Austin in first, but not just because of the weather thing, but because, as Mark said, nobody is going to go out there and just purely enjoy it as much as Austin. He's just that free spirit that's going to go out there and just be like, oh, this is awesome, fantastic, great, until his body dies. So, <laughs> and I mean, that's exactly what happened to him in 2016. He was loving it, having the time of his life, and then it just shut down. So if he can go one more lap beyond that before he has the shutdown, I think he takes it. Um, second, I'm going to go with Mark Gadet for his ability Dude, to Austin, absolutely... Austin's looking fit. Dude, Austin always looks fit. I had to sit in a hot tub with that guy. It's embarrassing. It's horrible. <laughs> He's looking good, man. <laughs> so I'm going to go Mark Gaudet with his ability to suffer because he is, and, and he's great at this. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And then again, Tyler Veerman just for being on fire. And yeah, so that's, but any one of those psychos could easily win it and it could just be up. So, I mean, really it's, it's a crap shot shoot. It's, it's rolling the dice. It's going to be hard to fill in this podium. I, I think it's going to be, last lap you're gonna have three or four guys fighting for that third spot it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be so exciting it's gonna be awesome i think the person who wins it might win by a lap um just kind of like having just you know their body's clicking everything's working good and they just have like a little lead i i, I could see one one of these guys have like just a great day and then feel good and having a great day versus someone having an okay day is a big difference in ultras. So, um, you know, the bigger the race distance gets, the more important it is to be on fire on that day. So whoever's on fire, that's who's going to win. And I think that person is going to be one lap ahead of the pack. But I think the pack is going to be stacked. I think it's going to be so many people. It's going to be so exciting. 
And I expect the last lap to be like just people falling apart dying and it's like no it's just a bunch of heartache and a bunch of people just kind of coming from behind and just feeling on fire and just going for it so it's going to be exciting i think this is going to be the most exciting and best world's toughest to date i'm excited i think it's a great way to call it a night bethany why don't you wind us out yeah uh, thanks so much, Mark, for joining us. Um, you had so much good advice to offer people. So I hope um, the racers this weekend have a listen because um, I think you had some really good points. And um, yeah, just such a good lay of the land for the race coming this weekend. So we wish you were racing um, all the best with what's going on with your health issues. We hope um, only best case scenario here. So and to everyone racing, all the best. And yeah, we'll be keeping a close eye on the races this weekend. Stay warm out there.